everybody. Welcome to Turning to Him. My name is Zach Batty. We appreciate you tuning in to this uh, interview. Uh, I am on with Xavier. And uh, Xavier, I'll let you introduce yourself. Um, first of all, tell us where you're from. Tell us just a little bit of backstory, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, my name is Xavier. I'm originally from um, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. It's a small town in Michigan. Um, in fact, it's a border town between um, the United States and Canada. Um, I was raised um, Roman Catholic before coming to the church um, not too long ago. I moved to Arizona about six, six months ago or six years ago. Okay. Uh, why'd you move to Arizona? What took you there? Uh, for school. Okay. Where are you going to school? I'm going to school at Grand Canyon University. Very nice. What are you studying? Um, master's in um, mental health. Okay. Holy smokes, a master's in mental health. Uh, what do you want to do with that? Um, I actually have an internship starting for like um, counseling. Okay. That's congratulations. So, um, like, yeah, like child counseling and stuff like that. Fantastic. Well, again, I, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. Um, let's just start from the beginning. You said that you were raised Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that for you? Um, it was, okay, everything is very, very structured and Coming to the church, it was—it's a bit of an experience shift. Um, my family's Roman. The first thing you need to know about Catholics is that, um, like with Baptists, um, you go and like if you don't affiliate with the church anymore, then you're not a Baptist. But with Catholics, um, it's why it's so crazy when doing like um, people do studies on Catholics and there's inconsistent data. Is when you get baptized as Catholic, usually as a child or as a convert, and then you become inactive or don't believe in the faith anymore, they still have your records. You're still considered Catholic. You're just considered what they call a lapsed Catholic or an inactive Catholic. And they say the only way to become not a Catholic is to formally denounce the church, the Roman Catholic Church. Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, similar similar to us. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you were raised, I mean, tell, tell us about your family, uh, big family, small family that you were raised in. Um, small family. Um, my mother had four kids, including me, but my, um, my grandparents immigrated from England and Ireland, respectively. My grandmother had, um, 15 other siblings, two that were adopted. And my grandfather had nine other siblings. Holy smokes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Your family tree has got a ton of branches on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, and uh, are they, I mean, how many generations of Catholicism uh, do you come from? Okay, my grandmother was actually um, Church of England, so she wasn't Catholic, but she converted. But my grandfather is from Ireland, so basically probably going back like, Hundreds and hundreds of years. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So deep Catholic history. Um, mm-hmm. 
Tell us. On my father's side, too. Yeah, yeah. Tell us. My father's side, my my grandmother was um, Polish and my grandfather was French. Okay. And and that, that, that goes back just generations and generations as well. Okay, so some deep roots there for sure. How did you get introduced to the church then? To the, I should say to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is a long story, um, but we're here, so we can discuss <laughs> it. Um, one, <laughs> okay, I was first introduced, um, well, I'd say I was first introduced when I seen um, um, I seen a Jenny Craig commercial with Marie Osmond, and that was my first introduction. <laughs> but my first real introduction was when I went to um, undergrad. I had a professor who was um, she was Native American, but she was raised in the church, but was not of the church. So she had, and I may have became a Latter Day Saint earlier if I wasn't influenced by her negative opinions of the church. Okay. Like she'd say, um, she'd, she'd reference, say, um, Latter-day Saints are, um, racist and then go to like, oh, second Nephi for darkness, curse of the darkness of your skin. And I'm not sure she even really understood it. Sure, sure. And then the typical, the typical missed, um, interpretations of other things like, oh, you get to be your own God or here's your planet. Right, right. <laughs> and is it, I mean, is this happening in class or, or, how is she sharing this, this info is, with you? This is happening. Um, it's in class, but it's right. Uh, it's like the five minutes before most people get there. Okay. That okay. you just chat about it. And I might bring up some things I've seen and she just gives like a dissertation on um, why the LDS, she didn't like their um, doctrines. Yeah. Well, clearly she was not introduced to the church by the Osmonds because had she been like most of us, uh, it would have been a different story. So that's actually funny. That's actually funny because um, when I was meeting with the missionaries, they asked me what my first introduction to the church was. And I, I mentioned the Osmonds and they said, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> they were imposters. <laughs> clearly those missionaries were imposters. All right. So you meet the missionaries. Tell us, how, how, I mean, well, I, get, I guess... Get us from your undergrad where you've got this teacher that's kind of sharing some some anti with you all the way to you deciding to meet with the missionaries. How did that work? Okay, my next. um, Okay, that's a bit bit of a jump, too. Um, I didn't become for any like major thing. I didn't become interested in joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints until I'd say. Um, last July, and that's a big story too. Okay. It starts with, okay, I seen the psychic on TV, and I was convinced at that time that being a psychic was um, like a gift of the Holy Spirit, which I now know is not true. Okay. Um, but that le- led me into um, looking at different denominations of Christianity that believed in um, the gift of the Holy Spirit, because a lot of them don't. Right. Um, and that led me to. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as one of those denominations. And I became leery for about like a week or so because there's this um, Orthodox um, person that was basically saying, um, oh, well, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they worship um, Heavenly Mother. They worship a female goddess. So, okay. But I've, I found out later that that's not true. Like um, 
I think I've been to maybe 16, 18 meetings, uh, sacrament meetings since then, and Elders Quorum, and um, she hasn't been mentioned once. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so you're still, I mean, it's still a bumpy road. You're still not quite sure about this. Uh, yeah, and um, I met with the missionaries in well, what drew, drew me to the church was how elegant the um, plan of salvation was. Okay. The um, the three kingdoms, and then we were, what, that's what initially drew me. And then I heard about Heavenly Mother, and then I was dissuaded, and then I was reading First Corinthians fifteen a week later, and I was like, "Well, this are these are the kingdoms. This has to be true." Yes. Um, and then the, the, uh, the celestial, terrestrial, celestial kingdoms and, um, how the celestial kingdoms is multi-tiered and how even, even when you're in the celestial kingdom, it's like a hundred times better than our life on earth and how people are, well, a lot of Baptists and Catholics, they say like it's not part of their doctrine, but they'll say, well, we believe that, um, they believe in their heads that um, they'll get a chance. People who don't hear the gospel or haven't accepted the gospel will get another chance to hear it, but it's not part of their official doctrine. For this church, it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That That's something that um, really led me to that. And when I first met with um, the missionaries, these are the first missionaries I met with because um, I've switched um, boards a couple times. Okay. At this point in your life, you are clearly, you're looking for truth. Is that fair to say? Yes. I mean, it sounds like you're investigating a lot of things. You're you're reading a lot of things, both about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, about other faiths. I mean, you're talking with people. You're on the hunt right now. Uh, yeah, and at this point, at this point, we were talking about other Christian denominations and um, their conflicting beliefs. But even past that, I, I, I was like um, searching like the Dharmic religions, mm-hmm. like Chinese folk religions, like witchcraft, Wicca, Thelema, like um, Golden Dawn. I, I basically searched all of that. Yes, European Reconstructionist paganism. I've, I've, I've Basically, Islam, Judaism, I've researched almost everyone. Yes, so you have cast your net very wide searching for truth. Yes. Now, did uh, did the missionaries stumble upon you, or did you reach out to them? I reached out to them. Okay. How did that phone call I go? I actually went online and requested a Book of Mormon, and—, okay. and um, they were supposed to call me back and they didn't. And so I called them just to <laughs> <laughs> okay. they said, yeah, we can come and meet you tomorrow. Okay. So they come, they knock on your door. And I mean, what happens? Is it, uh, when you open the door, is there a pillar of light behind them or, uh, was it something more like the rest of us experience where it was a, a slow step-by-step process? It was a, um, a step-by-step process, but at the time, first meeting them, I had, um, I, I, I had almost, I'd say, I was like, yes, I believe this doctrine by time meeting them. And, um, I was pretty set. Sure. I had a couple like reservations. Like, um, I was like, oh, does the church believe in like shunning, um, believers who fall away and things like that? And, um, when they told me it doesn't, the, um, the only thing is, um, 
uh, visitors and um, unfellowship members are still allowed to participate, but just not in the sacrament of taking and uh, passing it out and other duties of the church. Yeah. Okay. So the- and um, ahead, it was a step-by-step process, but but I was ready to get baptized really quick. How soon from the time you started meeting with the missionaries to the time you felt like this is something I want to be involved with? I met with the missionaries on a Thursday, um, August 3rd. Um, I was and on the I met with them Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday. I met with them on Thursday. That was the initial meeting. They wanted me to check out the church on Saturday and then maybe attend a meeting on Sunday. Okay. They asked me on Saturday how far I was like, they were like, um, they said, what percentage do you think you're ready to um, get baptized and become a member of the church? I told them 95% because um, I'm a scientist and if, uh, you know, I think about science, like 95 is like confidence interval. Yes. Okay. Like that. <laughs> I took statistics and basically that, that's like a P value, which means um, it's as close, almost as close as you can get to um, absolute certainty. Okay. So you said 95%. Um, I said 95% and um, his name, Elder Mon, said basically, what can we do to get you to the last 5%? Did you say, Elder Mon, you need to take a stats yeah. class. There's no there's no 5%. 95 is good to go. <laughs> but yeah, 95 is pretty good, though. 95 is pretty good. And you said August 3rd. Was that this August 3rd? As in yes. like, holy smokes. So you've, you're... You've been a member for like less than six months. Well, um, just to put it forth, August 3rd was when I met with the missionaries. I wasn't baptized until September 10th. (laughs) Okay, so you're coming up on your two-month mark. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow, that's fantastic. Congratulations and welcome. All right. So, so you're meeting with the missionaries on August 3rd um, and just a little over a month later, you get baptized. You hit the that you find that five percent and you decide to be baptized. Yes. How did your parents take that? How did your family take that? Okay, here's the thing. Um, my okay, my father was deceased at this point. My mother had had, um, I wouldn't say bad experiences, but um, she had bad views about the church. Um, and I've even gotten arguments with my sister about this too. Um, there is a view, um, and this is why I'm glad that I got um, my mother and some people to stop saying Mormon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because the world has a view of Latter-day Saints um, based on one man named Warren Jeffs, which is not even, the FLDS is not part of the church, and it's always fun explaining to non-believers that that doesn't count. Right, right. <laughs> but things like, things like, um, because um, my family is Irish, Catholic, and Native American. So basically, alcohol is basically ingrained in our, in our grandmother was British. So yes. 
Yeah, so tea was a big thing too, but um, alcohol wasn't a big thing for me to give up. Um, neither was tea. I actually remember one time um, I was drinking tea and then I remembered the word of wisdom, then I quickly spit it back out into my cup. <laughs> yeah, old habits die hard, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so so you've got some some things to overcome with your family as far as there was some difficulty there. I mean, not only in just yeah. kind of the family culture, but also you got a couple generations of Catholics on, on both sides. Yeah, it was. Um, what I would say is probably the most is like what was important for me is not to overload them on too much information. Yes. Like I remember talking to my sister who um, she she loves alcohol. She like drinking all the time. I would say um, because she talks about, oh, um, where are your 10 wives and things like this? I said, that's the FLDS. That's different. I said, there's the, there's the LDS and then you have the L, uh, FLDS and then you have the RLDS. They're all different. And she's like, and she got confused. She's like, wait, w- what's the RLDS? <laughs> right. Okay. So just, I mean, it sounds like you're a very patient, um, even keel individual as you're kind of answering these questions and, and really trying to, help your family gain a better understanding of this decision that you've made. Yeah. What? And it, it, it becomes hard when, um, okay, there's this theory in psychology called um, the Bowen family um, systems theory, which basically says that um, when someone changes within the structure of the family, it sets the whole like ecosystem of the family off balance. And that happens when like um, a family member gets sober, um, other family members react badly because they lost their drinking buddy or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I drank with my sister um, uh, all the time. And that was our basically before I became Latter day Saint, that was our means of like connecting and bonding and me not drinking um, just offset. It's not so much that I became a Latter day Saint, it's that I stopped drinking. Yes. Yeah. No, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Kind of, there's a system and a harmony. And whenever a massive change happens, things need to rebalance and reharmonize. And that can take a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk to me about, I mean, through all of this, talk to me about your relationship with your savior. How is that changing? How's that growing? Yeah. Um, as, um, you mentioned what got me to that 5%, one of the things that got me to that 5%, um, to a hundred percent rather is the book of Mosiah that really did. As I was reading as Ant-Man, um, basically goes, um, into the woods to find out what happened to the, um, to the other people within the tribe, um, what happened to them. The story, the, um, the narrative is just so, um, it, it weaves together so well. And it's like, there's no way, uh, a man with a third grade educate, uh, reading and writing education could have woven together a story like this. This has to be true. Okay. So it was a, it was a testimony of the Book of Mormon, which then led to I don't want to put words in your mouth, but then led to a testimony of the Prophet Joseph Smith and the inspiration. Is that fair to say? Yeah. We've talked about uh, the Word of Wisdom. Were there any other aspects of the church that were kind of a difficult or a transition for you? Um, let me think. Um, 
the word of wisdom wasn't um, inherently hard for me to do. It was the um, the reaction by other people that was more hard. Okay. Um, like I said, um, well, every time I go to a Circle K and there's um, there's massive, like one fourth of the store is just um, fountain drinks of coffee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So it's hard. Um, one of my friends, Kyle Johnson, even says every time I go to an airport, there's basically it's just kiosk and kiosk and kiosk for coffee. <laughs> so that's that's always hard. What do you do? How do you stay strong? I mean, you mentioned that alcohol was a was a big part of your life. Sounds like coffee was a big part of your life. But then you've also said that the word of wisdom was kind of easy for you. Walk us through that, because I think for a lot of people, it's difficult for a lot of people. It's hard. Well, I won't say um, the explicit things in the word of wisdom, um, no alcohol, no coffee, no tea, no, um, just to make this clear, no tea from tea leaves, herbal tea is still, um, yeah, herbal tea is still allowed, Um, but no smoking, no illicit drugs. Um, That part was easy because when I drank, it wasn't, um, it wasn't often, it was Maybe, maybe like maybe twice a month, if that. Okay. Okay. Um, but when I did drink, it, it was pretty bad. Okay. Um, what I, um, one of the things, um, a lot of people don't, they consider the, in the word of wisdom, the things that are basically said, like no tobacco, no to all these things. But there's also, I've learned from the missionaries, uh, basically implicit understanding of moderation. Yes in um a food intake which can be hard too right right what do you do you you walk by these kiosks in the airport you walk by your circle k and there's just gallons of coffee available what do you do to fight that i mean you're only into this thing two months you've got a lot of habits to break how how do you stay strong um I would like to say that it's hard when I walk by the coffee um, could be like, oh, it's so hard. But for me, it's not. I just walk by and be like, oh, it's just whatever. It's not even that hard for me. Um, But one of the draws for coffee for me was just the sugar. And um, and I've learned and um, it was never really the caffeine or anything like that. And I mean, I can drink Mountain Dew and get caffeine, even if it was caffeine. Sure. Okay. Well, I take my hat off to you. And a lot of people, that's a huge hurdle for them to overcome. That's fantastic that, that you've been able to abstain from that. I found that for certain people, um, there's certain sins that are just like easy, that they're, they know they're not going to break them because it's not temptable for them. But for other people, sins are extre- there's certain sins that are just extremely hard to, that are so habitual that, um, it's just harder for them than it is other people. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that Xavier, because I think that's a principle that I think a lot of us forget in that everybody has a chink in their armor. Everybody's got a weak spot. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's the word of wisdom for some people, you know, and that, and that's very surface. You can, you can typically tell when someone struggles with the word of wisdom for some people, it's their temper. And it's harder to tell because a lot of times that happens behind closed doors. But, you know, the more we can just remind ourselves, look, everybody's got something that they struggle with. And I may not understand the specific sin that you struggle with, but I can understand struggling with sin. And so 
I can I can empathize with you and we can be on the same team. We can help each other out, even though we may wrestle with different things. As we were talking beforehand, you mentioned that maybe you could talk about the first time you went to the temple. Uh, but again, you've only been a member for two months. So talk to me about that. OK, the first time I went to the temple, um, a lot of people I've noticed um, um, because you reached out to um, all of us on um, the um Latter-day Saints Reddit page. So um, I'm going to use that as as a reference. Um, A lot of people on there said that the first time they went to the temple, they were like, they were like scared or terrified the night before. But for me, it was like, um, I'm going to the temple. This is like a rite of passage that every Latter-day Saint experience that I was excited. That's fantastic. So one of the things that was, that I really, um, it was like, that I really liked experiencing for the first time was the baptisms of the dead, not only um, doing it on behalf of others, but actually um, baptizing others on behalf of people that were baptized in heaven. Yeah. That knowing um, what I'm doing at that point in time is allowing people to get their ordinances that had passed away and not have been able to receive their ordinance on earth. Tell me why that spoke to you or what about that spoke to you? Um, it's really, it's the same thing with, um, not the same thing, but it's a similar experience I had when I passed the sacrament for the first time. It's like a divine duty, um, that we're supposed to engage in. And I felt the spirit in both of those, um, both of those, uh, first time experiences. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's interesting. You don't often hear people talking about baptisms for the dead as a divine duty. Um, I need to think about that more. That's that's a great perspective. So, I mean, you mentioned you've, you've passed the sacraments. So you've been able to really perform some ordinances. Uh, this is fantastic. Um, talk to me about like the first time you went to to church as a member. What was that like? Um. It was, I had already been going to, um, I think, I think I'd been going there because the missionary said that the, the bare essentials to becoming a member, getting baptized and um, confirmed would be going to at least three services, so for three weeks. Okay. Um, but it was it was really good because on the fir- on the Sunday, which was the day later after I've been baptized, I got um, got up in front of everyone and was confirmed into the church as well. OK. And after that, because um, from my experience, um, people get baptized and then confirmed on Sunday. And someone told me that like four to six months later, you received the ironic priesthood. But the um, bishop came up to me and he says, um, OK, we're going to confirm you laying on of hands, um, receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, and then during elders quorum, um, we're going to give you the ironic priesthood. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what was going through your head? I didn't know it could happen that quick. Had you, I mean, at this point, did you feel pretty, pretty comfortable in your knowledge of like the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood and and the structure of that? I felt um, that I knew like the basics of what you're doing and um, that your duties are as um, an Aaronic priest. Like, okay, here you're supposed to, um, you get the ability to pass the sacrament, but you're also supposed to be like a minister onto your fellow brothers and sisters and onto the world as well. Yes. 
Wow. Was there any hesitancy in your part or were you, I mean, at this point, were you all in? Um, I was all in um, for, for really, I just felt like I should have worked harder for the ironic priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Wow. 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 Um, in previous conversations, you talked about your experience first going to a YSA ward. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so what happened was, and I'll, I'll talk about Catholicism a little bit because it kind of feeds into the discussion here. Um, in a Catholic mass, what will happen is basically people will go, may, may get there early and like kneel down at the pews and give a prayer. But there's no really like social interaction between people other than a compulsory handshake, um, where basically the priest tells everyone to shake, um, hands with, um, who's behind you or in front of you and says, um, um, blessed be unto you. Um, but when I got to, um, the YSA church, um, I sat with this girl for 10 minutes who I'd never met. And, um, we just talked about her life for 10 minutes. Like we'd known each other for like a year or something. It was incredible. Wow. So a little bit different experience than what you were used to. And another thing was that, um, that doesn't happen in the Catholic church that did happen for me in the Catholic church. Um, you know, you have, um, very delineated, um, structure where you have the lady, you have priests, bishops, archbishops, all the way up to the Pope. Um, so it meant a lot when the bishop of the YSA ward um, came to me individually to welcome me to the ward mm. to, as a visitor. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. I'm glad that you had that experience. I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, what advice or counsel would you give to people who are investigating the church? And then the second thing is that my second question is, what advice or counsel would you give to people who um, are are aware of, of people who are investigating the church? You know, what could what could have people done to make your experience better? We'll go with that one. Um. Okay, for your first question, um, what should um, people who are investigating the church, I'd say to ask questions, um, just ask like, I wouldn't say hard questions, but ask like questions that you're really, that are like keeping, that would keep you from joining the church and see if the missionaries, um, so the missionaries can really guide you into becoming a member of the church. Okay, so not not shy away from the hard questions. Yeah. I like that. If something's on your mind, you got to bring it up so that, again, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so that when, if, if the bishop comes to you shortly after you've been confirmed and says, we'd like to ordain you to the Aaronic Priesthood, there's no hesitancy there. You're ready for that. You're ready to go. Yeah, and even after um, you become baptized, it's not like you have like this um, surmountable knowledge. You're still learning throughout the process. You're just, I, I, after I'm baptized and confirmed and have the Aaronic Priesthood, even after in a year when I have the Melchizedek Priesthood and get endowed, I'm still going to have like not have a full understanding of the history. And um, well, I tell you what, my friend, I've, I've been a member for 42 years and I'm still learning. You know, you know, I mean, it, you never stop learning. You never stop saying, oh, my gosh, I I swear I've read that verse 
10 times before, but it's never spoken to me that way. And now I get a light bulb goes on in a different aspect. So yeah, you're absolutely right. What could people have done to make your experience better? Not that you had a negative experience, but just. Um, I would say just fully explaining, um, um, what, what would happen and for the baptismal interview, because that was one of the, um, things that before it occurred, I had some anxiety about. What did you think it was going to be like? I felt like it was going to be a bunch of like close ended yes or no questions. And I was going to say, um, say, um, get in the habit of saying, do you agree with this, this, this? I say yes. And then I might say no to one question and it was a yes question. <laughs> they say, well, maybe we'll have another baptismal interview in a few weeks. Sure, sure. Okay. But it sounds like it was much more of a conversation. It was. And it was one of the, um, more enriching experience of I have too. How come? I mean, I don't, at whatever comfort level you'd like to share, tell me about that experience. Um, it was open to, they were, um, most of the questions were like open-ended. And when, um, when I should like, for example, um, he was, um, Elder Ram was, um, say, asking what my understanding of the law of chastity was. And I explained to him, him what my understanding of it was, um, about no sex, um, before marriage and, um, between man and woman and that sort of thing. He says, yes, that is true. Um, but that also includes, um, no consumption of, um, pornography and things like that as well. And, um, he didn't hold it against me that I, that wasn't my understanding in the beginning. Sure. Well, I mean, like you said, obviously there needs to be a, a basic understanding of what someone is agreeing to and, and really covenanting to, but, Man, we're you're gonna be learning for the next 500 years. We're we're all gonna be learning for the next 500 years, probably a couple millennia. So mm-hmm. That's I'm I'm glad it was a positive experience for you. I'm glad it sounds like your missionaries were high quality missionaries. To wrap things up, I mean the the show is called Turning to Him. I would love to hear your testimony of your Savior Jesus Christ and how maybe this experience has helped you turn to Him or what that means for you. Um, it just means um, really just listening to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've had periods of my life where um, basically thoughts would come into my head that um, to do do things that I really didn't want to do that were good for other people. I was like, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. Or scriptures come into my head like I'm not even thinking about the Bible or anything. They just pop into my head um, when I'm thinking. Um, just doing good for other people, like being more charitable. When I first attended a um, sacrament meeting, my first sacrament meeting, um, I'm usually a little impatient when there's like public chatter or whatever, or people looking at their phones in public. But as I was doing that thought popped into my head, it said, just pray for them. Just pray for them. Don't criticize them. And other, and the realizations that the spirit gives you is just, um, like most people think that like, oh, a lot of the Ten Commandments, um, oh, they say, oh, well, I don't, I don't worship idols, so I'm good. And it, like things come to you like, well, yeah, but, um, are you, are you giving to God, um, what is rightfully his? 
How um, are you worshiping these celebrities, um, which is a big problem these days? Sure. Um, we put we put people on a high pedestal, and they be, they become like role models, which we should be giving to God, not to man. It's also important to um, when listening to the Holy Spirit to keep in mind, um, like I always say that one should when reading scriptures, especially in like the Old Testament, um, read it through the prism of the salvation of Christ. Like um people like like the, the literal interpretation of the sacrifice of Isaac. Um but you can look at that as um the coming sacrifice of Jesus that would come like uh two or three millennia later. Sure. Of really seeing how everything points to Christ. Everything points to the Savior. He's the center of it all. Yes. Mm. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on. Um, Xavier, again, thank you so much for your generosity and sharing your experiences with us, uh, especially being such a new member of the church. That is, that is an exciting time of your life. Thanks for watching this interview on Turning to Him. I hope that you found it inspirational and uplifting. If you did, I invite you to subscribe to the channel and share it with your friends. Help put more goodness on the Internet. Thanks again.